prayer on Tuesday. Amen. Man, 2021's better already, isn't it? Come on, why don't we put our, team to get, our hands together for this awesome team up here. They've done well. They're, they're rested. They're, uh, I don't know, are you rested? It's, we all have to be a little bit um, sad because Addie's gone to university this year. And so call, calling all guitarists, um, amen. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. Ah, I do. Yeah, that's Taya's. She's been looking for that for about three days. Um, <laughs> oh, come on, it could be good. I, got, I just need a gavel and we'd be good to go. Um, I realized at some point during today's service, I didn't introduce myself. My name's Shannon, and that's about all you need to know. Um, but I get to share with you this morning. I, uh, there's something about, I, I don't know about you, like, because you can change at any time, yeah? Any time, there's, there's no limits on when God can do a re, restart in your life. But there's, there's something about a new year for me, and especially after 2020, there's something about it. I got to mid-November, and I was like, God, if I can just get to the end, if we can just get to the end. And I think it's, it's not so much because of me, but I think it's because everybody collectively kind of goes, <sighs> and there's something nice when, you know, your work stops expecting things from you for a week if you're lucky, um, some, some not so lucky, but, and we kind of get this opportunity to just go, okay. Everything got a little bit crazy, but now I can clear out my emails. I can, we can start again. It's fresh. It feels new. Um, and it's, it's, not a new, it's not a new concept, and it's not an unbiblical concept. In the, in the um, Hebrew culture, the Day of Atonement was the equivalent celebration of Jewish New Year. It was about, well, a week after Jewish New Year, and you'd have the Day of Atonement. And the idea was you came together, and you'd bring all your stuff, and they'd sacrifice a sheep. And the idea was fill your, there was a bucket. It was like, fill your bucket with all of your all of your iniquity, all of your sin, all of your regrets, and bring it, and, and, and we're going we're gonna, to you know, sacrifice the sheep, and we're going to start fresh. And so this idea that even in Old Testament legalistic culture, there was a, there was a yearly, like, let, let's let go of those grudges, let's let go of all of that, and let's start again. And I could preach a whole sermon on that, but I don't want to. Uh, well, not today, anyway. Um, but I want to go somewhere, because as we've sort of collectively started I, you know, there's, I'm writing a book at the moment. I'm actually writing two books because I don't do anything in halves, apparently. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But one of them is called Paradox. And it's because one of the things that I've discovered I quite love about God is how everything is parad paradoxical. And pe like people who don't know Jesus would call them contradictions. But what I actually find is it's just the bigness of God. Like, so God is just and God is merciful. And that means... You get what you deserve, but you don't get what you deserve. And, and, and so everything about God is, and so we have these paradoxical statements that we say, things like, you know, it, it's not how you start, but how you finish that matters. But then we also say things like, you should start the way that you can intend to continue. And I, I, I go, I think both of those are true. And I think what we mean is that often we start good and we finish all right, and the middle goes like this. <laughs> and I remember um, I got to sit in on, there was a woman's retreat thing here. I, I tell you, I just, I snuck in to do the sound and I ended up running the PowerPoint. And so I got to sneak in and hear all the truths that they give to women that they don't tell men. And um, I tell you, we're missing out. Um, <laughs> you're all right, people? You all good? Just, just nudge your neighbor, see if they're alive this morning. We're okay? Good. Perfect. Um, but one of the things, it was, it was Nikki Bray. She was speaking. Some of you will have been here at that Nikki Bray weekend or, or day. And one of the things she talked about was a flight plan. And she drew this, she had this slide of a flight plan 
which was, you know, you've got a start destination and an end destination, and they plot this straight line in between it. And you go, that's the flight plan. He said, but then, if you've ever sat on, like, if you've ever been on a long-haul flight, and they let you see the plane, and you can see the track that they've run, and so you see the flight plan, which goes like this, and then the plane goes like this. And you go, well, that just seems complicated. And it doesn't look like it went to plan at all. <laughs> but as long as you land where you, like, got on the plane, well, no, not got on the plane. That's, that's, a, that's a bad. <laughs> Sorry, I've done a lot of flying with Jetstar. And uh, <laughs> as long as you land where the plane told you it was going to land, you go, that's all right. It's, it's good. You know? and, and, and so Nikki, she talked about this whole thing about a flight plan is never the course that a plane flies 100% of the way because there's storms to navigate along the way. There's all these things. But what the flight plan is, is it's what the plane keeps recalibrating itself with and keeps coming back to. So if I stray this far, I come back to here. And if I go here, I come back to here. And so what we talk about is like, like we say the paradox of where you start and where you finish matter because you have to be at the right airport to get on the plane. And you get on the plane with a hope that it's going to land at the airport that it said it was going to land at. I carried this and never drunk out of it. Ooh, delicious. Um... I know it's fresh because I saw Harold, Harold put it in there, so it's not like pre-Christmas. Um, but then in between, like things like 2020 happened or things like children happen or things like the mar- ups and downs of marriage or job promotions or job losses or redundancies or all these sorts of things. You know, I, could go across, I could look at almost every single set of eyes in the room and, and, and name your flight plan diversion <laughs> of 2020. Or, you know, and, and here's what I'm not here to promise you this morning. I'm not here to promise you a year in no storms for 2021. I'm not here to promise you a year in no storms for 2021. What I am here to promise you is that if you get your flight plan right and you keep coming back to and keep recalibrating with your flight plan, no matter what happens, you will arrive at your destination. Because how you start and how you finish matters. And in between, as long as you keep that plan going, you'll be good. So can we talk about that this morning? I got a bunch of things. I wanna, have you ever, ever, ever watched a movie the answer to that is hopefully, hopefully yes so far, unless you're Sue. I had to introduce Sue to movies when she started working at Baptist Church. Um, but, like, I, I know. <laughs> um, but have you ever watched a movie and then watched it, like, several years later and gone, like, ah. Oh. Like, one of the things that I noticed, like, they've just done a remaster of Lord of the Rings, like a 4K remaster, because those films, I remember going, they were the peak of cinematic, like, special effects. And, all, and now they're, like, what? 20 years old, 10 years, something crazy. And you watch them now and you go, that's not even convincing. Uh, and yet, you know, and so they do this remaster. But what I'm more thinking of is, did you ever watch a movie when you were a child that you really enjoyed and watch the movie again as an adult and gone, I should not have been able to watch that as a child. Have you ever done that? Can I tell you, I want to tell you really quickly, if you haven't since you were a child or since you had children or just in a while, if you haven't watched Shrek, that movie is not a kid's movie. <laughs> like, it might be animated, but it is not for children. <laughs> because 90% of the jokes go over their head. And I remember watching it as a child and thinking this was a great movie. I remember watching it recently with Taya and wetting myself. <laughs> because I go, this movie is much funnier as an adult than it was as a child. But actually, I'm not sure that I should have been allowed to watch it as a child. And so we have these things that we, we, 
we look at later or, we, or different people look at different perspectives. And, and just before Christmas, after Christmas, somewhere in that six days between the 25th and the 31st where no one really knows what day it is, right? And all you know is that you're eating ham for lunch again. <laughs> and it's like, this is, this is awesome. Let's eat ham every day for the rest of the... And then somewhere around the 30th, you're like, if I ever see another ham again, I will, I, like, that, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> um... But somewhere in between in that, I, someone had posted a thing about uh, on Facebook, you know, because that's what I was doing in my downtime, apparently. Um, but there was a, a thing about the moral to Disney stories, and it was basically about ruining children's Disney stories. And so I had this therapist or this giraffe. Uh, I don't know why it was the therapist was a giraffe, but it was. And, and he's sitting with each of the Disney princess characters and basically talking about, you know, introducing the moral of the Disney story and why it's a really bad example for our kids. So, so one of them was, um, for example, it was, it was Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And she's sitting there, and, and, and the therapist giraffe says to her, you know, it doesn't matter how many books he gives you, if he's keeping you prisoner, he's a bad man. Like, <laughs> and Cinderella's like, so let me get this straight. You went out for one night of crazy dancing, and now you think he's the love of your life. Snow White was, so you moved in with seven strangers, accepted food from another stranger. Frankly, I'm just impressed by your ability to trust people. <laughs> uh, one of the other ones was, hang on, I've got a few of them written here. Um, no, maybe that's all I've got. But there was a bunch of them. And, and you start to go, oh, these, maybe we shouldn't be letting our children watch these. Because maybe they don't send the message that we want them to send. Maybe... Like, you know, yeah, like, when you look at most of these stories, oh, I'll tell you the other one was about Sleeping Beauty, and it's like, let's talk about, let's talk about consent when you're unconscious, right? <laughs> and so you've got all these things coming in, and you're like, you go, well, actually, what are the messages that these send our children, you know, like, just, whatever. Um, but then there was a comment, and there was a couple of comments in the comment section which caused me to, to reevaluate, and this was one of the ones that I saw. Uh, basically going, these, these, as a child, these are not the morals that I took from these stories at all. Beauty and the Beast taught me, instead of if he gives you books, it doesn't matter if he's keeping you hostage. Uh, it, Beauty and the Beast taught me that sometimes people are prickly because they haven't been loved. Snow White taught me that while some strangers will harm you, other strangers will look out for you. And Cinderella taught me that your, the, your bank balance doesn't matter to the right prince. And, and I looked at these and I went, well, maybe they are. What's that? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 okay, the one thing that I really can't get my head around with Cinderella is that, like, she was the only one with a certain size feet in the entire kingdom. Like... <laughs> Like, most of you here could share shoes. <laughs> um, so, anywho, anywho, anywho. Um, and I started thinking about, actually, depending on the perspective I go into these with, because there was people coming in with one perspective arriving at a really bitter moral, and other people coming in arriving at a really pleasant moral. And it was like, God kind of said to me, you can do that in life. You can go through all sorts of things, and you can, you know, and, and two people can go through a very similar experience, a very similar positive experience, a very similar negative experience, and can arrive with a completely different moral of the story. You know, we believe as a church, um, 
Andy Stanley's book, Deep and Wide, we adopted these five things that we believe every Christian needs to grow to maturity. Practical teaching, uh, private disciplines, personal ministry, providential relationships, and pivotal circumstances. Uh, pivotal circumstances is this, is this idea that everything we go through in life will either lead you closer to God or further away from God, depending on how you process it, right? Let me give you some examples. Unfortunately, nobody in our congregation won the big $18 million over Christmas, and you know, we're deeply disappointed in that. But we also assume that it's because nobody bought a ticket because their trust is in him and I mean, just, I'm not here to preach that sermon, it's okay. Um, the, yeah, so, but if you, want, if, so, if you were to win and hear it, receive $18 million. Depending on how your position and how you process that, that could draw you closer to God or it could lead you further away from God. Because you could go, thank you, Jesus. This is awesome. I can do so much now. You are so good to me. Or you can go, God, I don't need you. I'm set. I can buy like three houses in Auckland now, and I'm good to go. <laughs> okay, two. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was being optimistic. Um, so that's on the positive end. On the negative end, you can you lose someone that you love dearly, and if you process that, if you how you process that, that can make you go, God, you're a horrible person, and I never want anything to do with you. You have let me down. You failed me. Or you can find your hope and your comfort in Him and lean into Him and go, God, I don't understand this. God, I'm not particularly enjoying this, but I'm going to let it bring me to you, not push me away from you. Uh, at, the, at the foot of Mount Sinai, at the giving of the Ten Commandments, it says that the, that, that, um, the, you know, the smoke and the lightning and the fire and all that came down on the mountain, and it says the people were afraid and drew away. But it says Moses, who feared God, went up the mountain. So your fear of God can cause you to do one of two things. Your love, your, your understanding of gr God's grace can cause you to do one of two things. It can make you go, hey, freedom to do whatever I want. Or it can make you go, that God is so loving and so good and so gracious that I want to live closer to Him. So, so lots of things we have in our lives, based on how we interpret them, there can be two morals of the story. And you'll have seen this. You'll have seen friends who have gone through similar circumstances, maybe to what you've gone through or maybe to what someone else has gone through, and they've processed it completely differently. Life isn't a fairy tale, I, you may have noticed. Certainly not one that I would have written anyway. But one of the things that I'm, you know, and I joke about this every December, you know, like the busyness of Christmas, right? Like, it's just... And, and so, like, you see those, you know, when those first Christmas ads come on or those first Christmas decorations go up, usually somewhere in about mid-May. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. And, and your heart does this thing where you go, it's coming. But when my daughter sees that first Christmas tree go up in town, although they string the lights across the top, she goes, Christmas is coming. And so the same, the same environment, the same triggers two different responses. And here's what I've noticed. As we grow older, we tend to grow more negative. Now, I don't say that to beat up on, like, what I'm saying simply as a notice. When I was a child, everything was, you know, like, children don't stress about anything, and that's because they don't know what taxes are, right? 
And then somewhere along the line, you get your first job, and you, they go, you, you get your pay slip, and it goes, you've earned this much money, and then you look in your bank account, and you go, where did it go? <laughs> Why is it not there? <laughs> and, and slowly, they say, and so the, the stories that we start to go through, the morals that we start to draw become increasingly, increasingly more protective, more pessimistic. Or dare I say, we wouldn't say pessimistic, we would say realistic. And, and, and there's nothing worse than as you become more realistic, when you meet someone who's optimistic. Like, they're just the worst people, right? Or so we like to think. Because they just think everything's going to be fine all the time. Everything's good. Like, you know, they're the people who, when, you know, when you were going through, like, you know, I know there a lot of people here were, you know, but there were some people who lockdown affected negatively and you didn't like it and it was hard for you and it affected your mental health. And then other people go, I really like lockdown. It was great. We should do it again. And you're like, no, no, we shouldn't do it again. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> some of my favorite ones that I saw from lockdown last year were, you know, like, we've been, I've been locked in the house for four weeks now. I've met this new woman. Apparently she's my wife. She seems nice. <laughs> it's, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> we play games together now. It's good. Um, and so, you know, some people loved it. Other people struggled with it. And, and, and so we had, but there's these people who just, it doesn't seem to matter. They just always look on the bright side of the light, of, of life. And you're like, I don't. But I want to submit that there's something to learn from those people, to become those people, especially as we set our flight plan for 2021. And there's three things that I want to look at. And it's really funny because when we pulled that song out this morning as we were singing it, the same, that last song, I looked at it and went, oh my gosh, this is all in here, and I didn't even realize it. Um, pancakes, you know. So if I may serve you a three-stack pancake, uh, there are three things that I believe are particularly important to becoming, to, 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 to getting the right moral of the story. And the first one is this, and it's about your eyes. And I don't just mean your physical eyes, I mean your spiritual eyes, I mean... The, the symbolicness of what we see, what we look at. You know, um, the, the Hebrew understanding of sin was in three, three levels. The first level, I forget the word, but this idea, the Hebrew word picture is this idea that whatever your eye hooks to multiplies, right? So this idea that whatever I focus on begins to become bigger in my life. If I focus on my financial issues, what gets bigger? My financial issues. If I focus on my anxiety, what gets bigger? Generally, my anxiety. If I focus on, on my envy for someone's new car, and every time that, and I just look at, and I look at it, and it's like, and it just begins to consume, and then you start to see them all over town, and suddenly you go, like, when were there so many of this car in town? There must be more. No, no, no. But what you've hooked your eye to has started to multiply in front of you. And so I believe that something to do with that, something is, is about what our eyes are fixed on. You know, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 22 to 23, Jesus said this, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. You know, like in the point where like the darkness becomes the light, <laughs> like that's where you've really confused yourself. But Jesus has this idea where he, where he says, you know, if your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy. 
Jesus later on said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, Jesus was quite okay with metaphors because none of his disciples ever came to him with their eye on a fork going, like, I did what you asked. Like Jesus, but there's this idea of going, what we look at, what we focus on, where we spend our time and our focus and our attention does something to our body, does something to our spirit, does something, does something to our being. Mum used to have a saying to me when I was growing up, rubbish in, rubbish out. So a massive part of getting that flight plan is where your eyes are. You know, there's a sign on the way into Blenheim for motorcyclists. I've never been very good on a motorcycle. I was, I had one for a brief period of time, and it wasn't a lot of fun. Arthur, on the other hand, is very good at, at motorcycling, and, you know, it still terrifies his wife every time he gets on one, but that's all right. Um, Rodney rides a motorcycle and spends a lot of time limping. And so, <laughs> so, so there, there is a vast range of skill when it comes to motorcycling in the, in the room. <laughs> but one of the things that, you know, and the sign on the way into Blenheim, on the way back from Nelson, which I haven't driven since they changed the speed limits, because I know it's, I'm going to have to be in a good mood before I do that, that's beside the point. Um, it says, it's got a picture of a motorcycle, and it says, look where you want to go. Right? And so, Rodney, stop looking at the trees. I have a friend who's a cyclist, he does mountain biking, I'm sorry, and said, the best thing you can do is don't look at the trees. Because if you look at the trees, you'll hit the trees every single time. Look at the path. Look, look ahead where you want to, don't look where you are, because if, if you look down, you're in for a bad time. Look to where you want to go. Otherwise, you'll end up with a corner named after you <laughs> on the weather hills. And so... We have this idea, you know, so eyes, where do you want to go? What are your eyes fixed on? Because it's amazing how often we have this plan and we go, we, we, we say things like this. I'm talking hypothetically, and I'm going I'm to work very hard not to make eye contact here, right? Because I don't want anyone to feel like, we say things like, I want a good marriage with my wife, and then we spend all of our time with our eyes doing this, Right? We go, and so we're not focused on the thing that we want to be good. We're, our eyes are everywhere else. Or we go, you know, we say things like, I, I want to save money, but Lego. <laughs> right? There's one I can relate to really well. You know? Or like, I, I, yeah, movies. You know, whatever it is. We have our goals. We have a thing. I want to give more money to missions this year, but I love chocolate. You know? Or, oh, I've made dead eye contact with you when I said chocolate. That was bad. I'm sorry. Um... <laughs> so, so again, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be healthy. Are you, as we go into 2021, are we looking for the trees? Because sometimes we get on Facebook and we just look for the next bit of bad news. We're just waiting. You know, I know a whole bunch of people who are waiting to see what happens in the White House in the next seven days, right? And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm as interested as you are. But I've given up watching. I'll just wait for the news as I cruise past it on my bicycle, heading towards where God has called me to go, because that's where I'm going to fix my eyes. You know, some people get really frustrated with me because they go, as a pastor, shouldn't you be more in tune with current events? <sighs> Just honestly, I find it a distraction. My eyes are there. That's where I want to go. So my question to you is, as we look into 2021, if your eye is the, the window to, you know, go, yeah, your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is, what's the first verse? I want to, your eye is the lamp that provides a light for your body. What are you looking at? 
You know, Noah, when he was building an ark, and everyone comes around him and they go like, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm building an ark because there's a flood coming. It's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And they all went, what's rain? <laughs> well, it's like water from the dumb. Like, there's no, you know, we don't see any clouds. Elijah, you know, sees a, there's, there's nothing. Go again, go again, go again. But you're not looking at the clouds. No, I'm not looking at the clouds. I'm looking at the promise of my father of clouds. What are your eyes fixed on? Second is this. As a man thinks in his heart, or a woman, as a, as a person thinks in their heart, so is them. <laughs> I tried to make that gender. <laughs> so, so is they. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So your eye is, what, is about what comes in. Your heart is about what comes out. What's in your heart? You know, the, the, the translation of that, it's an interesting verse in context, but in the NLT, it doesn't say, as a man thinks in his heart. It says, he says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. And so it's this idea that goes, actually, it's not about just what comes out of my mouth, it's about the motives of my heart that matter. So as we head into 2021, what are your eyes fixed on? But also, what's in your heart? Why are your eyes fixed on that? See, sometimes we can have our eyes fixed on the right things, but for the wrong motives. You ever, you ever done the right thing for the wrong reason? Just me? Okay, that's good. And then finally, it's this one, and this, this really comes back to this pivotal circumstances. There's a verse in Isaiah. You know, one of, the, one of the scriptures that I read, I quoted earlier this morning was about Jesus being the rock, and he said, the wise man built his house upon the rock. You know, we talk about Jesus being the rock. Uh, <laughs> this is an incredibly freeing verse for all of you abstract thinkers. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everybody else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. <laughs> and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Don't fix your eyes on that. Fix your eyes on something else. Make the Lord of heaven's army holy in your life. Fix your eyes on him and put him in your heart. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. Well, hang on. If he's keeping me safe, why am I afraid? We've talked about that. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Do you know the difference, if, if, you, want, if you want a quote for your notes, do you know what the difference is between a stumbling block and a stepping stone? What you do with your feet. The difference between a stumbling block and a stepping stone is what you do with your feet. So Jesus is the rock that becomes the foundation. We sang about it earlier. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And yet this prophecy in Isaiah says that that stepping stone, that foundation stone, that rock that we build our lives on is the very other thing that will cause some people to trip over. And, and I won't get too gory. Um, so again, we come into life, and again, we come into situations and circumstances. We go through things in life, and, and like you know, you'll see you'll see people who go through job loss and divorce, and, and you know they go through thing after thing after thing after thing after thing, and it's just this, and all they seem to keep doing is this. 
and they just, they, just, they just keep going up. And you go, how do you continue to do that? How does your life, how do you continue to live blessed? How do you continue to smile? How do you continue to be one of these weird optimistic people when all of that's going on? And it's because they have learned that the difference between a stepping stone and a stumbling block is what you do with your feet and what your eyes are fixed on and what's in your heart. I feel like I'm doing head These are the people who have learned that Jesus works all things together for the good of those who love him. All things, not just the good things. He works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Joseph said, what you meant for harm, what the enemy meant for harm, God turned around and used for good. These are the people who have learned to keep their eyes on the right thing. Their hearts full of the right thing. And to position their feet so that those things that might seem like stumbling blocks instead become stepping stones. And the important thing I think that really separates this from just being a motivational message, one of the challenges I heard last year, and I I really love it, was if you could not preach your, if you could preach your sermon in a mosque or in a Jewish synagogue, then it's not a Christian sermon. Because Jesus is the pivotal difference. And so this year, and and I mean, you've heard this come out of me enough times. It's all about Jesus. And so my goal is every single sermon, I just don't don't want to give you a a motivational message that could be preached anywhere and shared anywhere and put on Facebook and this is good. And so the final thing that is important in all of this, what your eyes are fixed on, what's in your heart, where your feet are positioned, is this. It is Jesus who does the transformational work. Only Jesus can turn a mess into a message or a test into a testimony. And so this whole thing, this thing that comes back, and this is why I started by saying, what are we consecrating on? What are we looking at? Because we can, we can have all the good plans. I've watched lots of successful people who miss the mark. Because the difference is not what's in your bank account. The difference is not what education you've had. It's not what color your skin is. It's not what social class you come from. It's not what hobbies you're interested in. It's not what your house looks like or what your car looks like or what your dog looks like or whatever it may be. It's what's in your heart when it comes to the name of Jesus. We did a sermon series a couple of uh, weeks ago. I'm going to finish with this. I wonder if I could get the music team uh, to come back, minus yours truly. Um, we did a sermon a couple of years back about spot the difference. And this question of actually, we all believe that Jesus makes a difference. I, I think if, if, you're, if you're a believer in Jesus here this morning, you would say the reason that you believe in Jesus is because you believe he makes the difference. But then my question was, if Jesus makes a difference, if we put your life and someone else's life next to each other out in the community, would they be able to see it? Because sometimes our success doesn't look that much different from the world's success. Because our, world's, our success isn't built around the name of Jesus. But when we build our success, when we build our house, when we build our church and our mission and our lives and our families and our marriages and our parenting and our businesses and our hobbies and our whatever else it might be, 
on the name of Jesus, there becomes a mark of difference. And usually, I'm sorry to say, usually that mark is how you handle adversity. Because everybody handles triumph well. We all know how to be successful. But it's, it's how you look different in a time where everybody else was, is losing their head. My dad used to say to me this, if you can keep your cool when everybody else is losing theirs, you haven't understood the seriousness of the situation. <laughs> but I think he's wrong. I don't say that often, especially not to his face. But I think it's this, if you can keep your cool in a situation that would destroy everybody else, chances are it's because of Jesus. Chances are it's because what was meant to be a stumbling block became a stepping stone. Because when Jesus invades our life and our entire life and we invite him into everything, he, he does wonderful things with it. The good, the bad, and the rugby. It's like it's all there. So what I want to do this morning, I, I've asked the music team to play that same song again because I love the words that it talks about. Holy, there is no one like you. Fill my eyes with wonder. Fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Completely unintentional. I love Jesus. And unintentional for me, probably not unintentional for him. But as we sing this song this morning, you might just want to worship. You might just want to stand there. You might want to just simply recalibrate your flight plan. Am I looking at the right thing? Is my heart filled with the right thing? Are my feet in the right place or am I tripping over things that I'm supposed to be stepping on and maybe this morning you'd like someone to pray for you well then I'd love to do that this area down the front here is open you can come and stand here you can come and stand here by yourself you can come and stand here with a friend and someone will, will come alongside you and place a hand on your shoulder if that's okay with you and just pray whatever it is that you need prayer for this morning maybe it's one of those three things Maybe it's something else that as you're looking at going into 2021, you're like, you know what? I just need the peace of God. I, I, or I just need the boldness of God. My, my confidence got knocked in 2020. Whatever it is. Maybe you got big plans for 2020. And 21. Oh, gosh. We're not doing it again. <laughs> there is no reaping. <laughs> but whatever it is, I would love to pray with you. And there are others here who would like to pray with you. So why don't we all stand together this morning? And as we sing this song, if you would like prayer, if that's you in any way, shape, or form,